listening to this week's Lefevre CFC podcast. Connect with us via our website, lefevrecfc.com, or our Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash We hope you enjoy this week's message. We're going to look at the story in 1 Samuel 14. It's an amazing story of Jonathan and his armor bearer. And let me set the scene for you for this passage. We're going to just focus on uh, verse 16. But it's the story of, um, it goes back like to, to Samuel again. And a few months ago, or we looked at uh, Samuel and David and that um, having presence amnesia and sort of just forgetting the promises, the presence and the power of God. Well, here's another story where Samuel lost, King Samuel lost the sense of the presence, the promise and the power of God that he had as king. And um, the story goes on. Well, basically at this point in time in Israel's history, uh, the only two who had swords in their army were Saul and Jonathan and the Philistine army were raiding and there was issues going on and they were getting smaller and smaller. That had defeat after defeat. They were getting limited and discouraged. And it says in the beginning of this passage that King Saul with his soldiers, including Jonathan, were sitting under a pomegranate tree. They'd come to a place of just stationary, sitting still. They'd got themselves stuck. And King Saul, in his faith, in his expectation, in his believing of what God could do through him and what the nation was to do and to carry forward and the enemy that was so close, it basically got stuck. So they sat down under the pomegranate tree and the raiding parties raided, raided. They had their way. But the king who had the sword... He had the authority of his kingship over his army that is sitting there with him, 600 men. He had the ephod, which meant he had the presence of God and he was able to inquire of God and get instruction of what to do. Is right there with him. And he becomes stationary and stuck without faith and belief for a way forward for the nation of Israel. You know, sometimes we can get stuck in our walk. We can get stuck in our journey with the Lord. And... Um, you know, when you get stuck in a place where you complete, you can't find a way forward, it can be very discouraging. And I think that's where Saul got to. He got to a complete place of disillusionment, discouragement, despair, thinking this is, there's got to be more than this. And he's just at that place. His son Jonathan is there as well. And Jonathan says, well, I, faith rises. Something stirs within Jonathan. And that's where we hear this statement where Jonathan says, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Let me tell you the end of the story and then we'll come back and look at that verse a little bit more. But the story then goes on that Jonathan goes over to the other side and reveals himself to the army. They say, come up, so they go up, that's him and his armor bearer who's bought, out, bought into Jonathan's plan. Not the most strategic plan, not the most um, clever war strategy. The two of you to go over, and his plan was, we'll go over, reveal ourselves to the army, and if the enemy says, come up, that means God's given us the victory, but if he says, stay there, then heck, our lives are in trouble and they're after us. That's basically his war plan, not a great plan. But anyway, that's, that, that's it. And the, the story goes on that the, the enemy calls him up, calls them up. They climb up on their hands and feet and knees, get to the top, and then they slaughter, have a fight, and wipe out 
uh, 20 soldiers right there. And then out of that, the, uh, the army and the king realize something's happening. There's this battle, there's this victory being won. And the king says, well, who's missing? What's happening? And they realize Jonathan's gone. And then the soldiers and the army flow in behind the victory and the faith that Jonathan had to start to get a victory. The rest of the king and the rest of the nation and the army flows with them. And then it goes on to say that even those Israelites who are hiding up in the mountains, who had been terrified and afraid, they come down and join the battle. And towards the end of this passage, we're told that God got a great victory that day. There's so much that we can learn from this story. But I want to go back to verse 6. Because there's some things that we can learn here from from Jonathan's attitude, his faith, his believing, that even in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of times that we say, well, this is not the right time, this is not your position, you don't have the right to even step out, you've got to wait for your father, the king, um, everything's stationary. Faith rises in him. Belief rises in him. And he steps into something that leads the whole nation into the victory that actually was the promise of God for their lives and for who they are. Let me read you that verse again. Come, let's go over to the outpost of the uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Well, first thing we see there in this attitude that, jo- that Jonathan has is that he's Boldness in belief. He just had this bold belief. This belief that um, I can do something. Although it looks negative, although there's all these troubles around me, although these things are happening all around me, I, that he had a belief that this wasn't God's purpose and plan for them. Sitting still under the tree, under the pomegranate tree, wasn't the place for him to be. It wasn't where he wanted to be. It wasn't what he believed could be ha- was the will of God for for the army and the Israelites. But I love the fact that he says, perhaps. You know, when we step out in faith, that idea of, like, we want it all signed, sealed, guaranteed, no risk, no uncertainty, everything, deal. But when we move with God and we step out in faith with God and believe for something extra or more or to get out of that place where we might be thinking we're stuck in, there are, there's a time of perhaps, There's a time when we go, well, there is a risk here. I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if this is all going to happen. Perhaps, like like the armor bearer, he went on a perhaps. He joined Jonathan and went to battle with his his boss, basically, because his boss was a little bit confident, but wasn't 100% sure that God was going to get him the victory, that God wasn't going to come through. There's always risk when we step out. There's always risk when we believe for something extra. And maybe it's a sickness that we've had for a long time and that you sort of say, oh, God heals and you want to step out and believing in and moving in towards a healing. You say, but I've so many times. There's a risk of disappointment. There's a risk of, but what if God doesn't? Or we're believing for, for something extra or something more. There's always a risk. But Jonathan had to go from the comfort of where he was and where it was safe with this bold belief that God could do something different, that God could move through him. And that's risky. But I'm asking all of us to think, well, where does God want us to risk? 
Where does God want us to hold him at his promise and step out? Where does he want us to believe for more or believe for extra? And maybe there's areas where we think, oh no, I'm stuck in this space. There was a time when Sandra and I, uh, we felt financially stuck. Um, And we were in a place where we were tithing, we were being generous, we were working, we had this income and we'd been content in the sense of, well, we know that the Lord tells us to be content with what he provides for us. And we were content in that sense, but we're saying, Lord, we're not moving forward. Lord, things are not coming together. Everything that we get, we feel like there's locusts that are coming and eating up and consuming the extra that's in our pockets. And it's just getting consumed by all these unnecessary things and expenses and all this stuff going on. And we, in one at a conference, and Pastor Ian Miller and his wife Christine were there, and she was praying for Sandra, and then we just asked, could you pray for our finances as well? And she said, well, let's get Pastor Ian to come, and he'll pray for you, because we've had a same sort of scenario. About 10 years ago, they said, we had a same sort of scenario where we were just not moving forward. There was just all these unnecessary extra expenses happening and happening and happening. And so we got them to pray with us and said, no, Lord, we're going to believe that what you've provided for us, for your kingdom purposes and your provision, that we're actually going to hold on to that and believe that that's actually going to be enough and that this extra stuff is not going to keep coming and, Lord, that you would provide extra for us. I don't know what area you're stuck in or saying, Lord, I'm, I want to believe for a breakthrough here, whether it's a health issue, a financial issue, a relational issue, an emotional issue, a workplace issue. Saying, Lord, I'm stuck in this spot and I'm believing for some extra, believing for some more. Hebrews 10 verse 35 says, don't throw away your confidence, it'll be richly rewarded. And we know our great reward is in heaven. Um, And that our confidence and our faith in God and our belief in him will be richly rewarded when we get to that place. Um, But I do believe that there's a reward for that confidence and belief and faith in Jesus Christ now that we see him move and work through us but just so you don't think I'm a prosperity preacher because I'm not preaching prosperity I am preaching belief in the word and belief in Jesus Christ and belief in his promises we see that Jonathan wasn't presumptuous like it looks presumptuous and there's doubt there and he's not sure there's risk he's got to step over the line but it's based on an absolute dependence on God He says, the Lord can save by many or by few. He also knew the promises of God for his nation. I think he was, like, he he really was looking at the deficiency in his father's belief, in his father's faith, and saying, well, you can't believe for this, but I can depend on God, and I can believe and trust in the sovereignty, trust in the presence of God, the promises of God, the power of God, to actually move forward here and to get a victory here instead of getting stuck where we are because this is not what God wants for us. But it was based on his belief in God. The first bit we're talking about is believing for something and we're told to ask, we're told to believe, but believing for something, before that comes believing in. And in Hebrews, uh, sorry, in John 6 verse 29 it says, Jesus, the disciples were asking, well, what's the work? What are we meant to do? And Jesus says, well, this, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And as Alyssa shared at communion, believing in who we are in Christ, 
believing in our identity in Christ, believing in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, his life, his death and his resurrection and that last song that we sang that Rod led us in and just all those things that we believe in the Trinity and we believe in God the Father, that those things, the details of that matter, the details do matter, as I said earlier with that story, but that we get the details of our belief in Christ sorted and our dependence on, on God. Jonathan really had it clear that actually, well, God, this is, that you're sovereign. Really, my effort, my work, my thing, yeah, I've got a little bit of faith and a little bit of expectation here, but really, this only works if you turn up. But he was willing to put himself in that place and say, well, I'm willing to risk it because you want me there and I believe this is what you're asking me to do. But if you don't turn up, I've put my life on the light. But we know that there is nothing impossible to God. It is his very nature. In Luke 1 verse 37, and this is a passage that we look at at Christmas a lot. It's where the angel visited Mary and then there's this virgin birth. But the angel said to Mary, nothing is impossible to God. She said, how does this happen? Nothing is impossible to God. But that we would believe and trust in our God who is sovereign and in control and powerful and take hold of a promise and say, yeah, God, I'm going to depend on you for this. But it starts with the believing in before we start believing for. So oh, I need to believe in Jesus. I need to believe in the promises of God and taking hold of those and then believing for something. And then we see that Jonathan had this absolute willingness to, to step out. Come, let's go. Like, and his armor bearer says, yep, I'm with you, heart and soul. But he's willing to step out. He's willing to take the risk. He's willing to put it all on the line for his Lord. This step of faith that Jonathan was willing to take. And are we willing to take some steps of faith? Believe for something. Believe for breakthrough in our families. Believe for breakthroughs in our relationships. Sandra and I, we've got a family situation. We're believing for a breakthrough. A loved one that we think, we want this person to follow the Lord and to draw close to Jesus. But we're saying, well, this is, we're going to step out in faith and hold on to that and believe for it and pray into it until, Lord, come on. We know that that is what your will is and you know that you desire for people to be saved. So we're, we're holding on to it and saying, Lord, come on. But to step out, is that believing, that faith step. I'm believing for us as a church that we are an apostolic church that is, is going to send missionaries this year, next year, sorry, 2024. How exciting. Malachi is going to be going to the mission field for, for many months. He's going to go to the Philippines for six weeks, Papua New Guinea for another six weeks. He's stepping out in faith. I'm inspired by that, but it's, it's a young man saying, I'm putting aside my resource, I'm putting aside my finance, but also I'm trusting God to provide and meet the, the needs, financial needs, and uh, all the other needs that he has to go to those places, protect his health and all those sorts of things. Make sure you get the details matter, Malachi. Make sure you fill out your passport, visa applications properly. Um, but he's going to go and do that. So... What did we say? Early March, mid-March. Mid-March, he'll be heading off to the Philippines um, and Ron and maybe some others are going to go and join him in the April school holidays 
um, and go out to Bacalod as well, but he'll be doing that. And then from there, he's going to fly directly from Manila to Port Moresby um, and spend six weeks in, uh, at Bethel Centre and go out to a couple of villages and do some outreach stuff, but to see the work of, um, in Papua New Guinea at the Bethel Centre Church is a real missions hub. Uh, and it is the pioneer, for our CRC movement, it is actually the most significant mission-sending organisation and mission-sending church that we have in our movement of group of churches all around the world. Uh, so for him to go and be there and part of that and just get the feel of the church and what's going on, so he's stepping into that space. Then he's going to come back for a little while, go to Uganda, hopefully get to India, Nepal, uh, and then be back here for a wedding on the 24th of August. Uh, not, his, not his wedding, though, so don't worry about that. I'm not announcing anything. Somebody else's wedding. Um, so I thought that would make you laugh. I thought you'd have, everyone would be asking you afterwards that you're going to get married if I didn't clarify. Um, but that requires finance. But that is us sending him. Um, so early February, we're going to do a fundraiser to help support him. And there's a few other things that he's been doing to support himself to go. But that is who we are as a church. We're a sending church. I believe that we're going to be a church planning church, a pioneering church, church that believes and reaches out and extends out. So I don't know, what are you believing for for 2024? What's God stirring in you to step into? Say, no, I've, I've had enough of this thing going on in my life. I want a breakthrough. I want to step into it. John 10 verse 10 says, the faith comes only to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come that you would have life and life to the full. That maybe there's an area of saying, well, Lord, I'm not feeling like this is really living to the full. I want to go beyond that. I want to believe for more. Not for ourselves, but more of what God has promised. More of his presence, more of his peace, more of his power, more of what he has for us. Not, to, not more of the you know, fancy cars and all these sorts of things. Not believing for those sorts of things. I used to have a friend whose mum used to always tell me, God, I'm speaking into existence. I'm getting a white Mercedes, white Mercedes. If I say it enough, a white Mercedes will manifest itself in my driveway and it's coming. Um, you've got to be specific about what you're going for. I'm thinking, oh, I don't understand all that. That's not my sort of what I'm talking about when I'm talking about faith and believing. But believing for the abundant life, the blessed life, the full life, that Christ promised to us. This is why he came. I have come that you may have life and life to the full. And that we believe for that for 2024. That we believe for that for this congregation, for this church, for the peninsula, for your own lives, your workplaces, your family situations. We know we've got some long-term health issues in, within our congregation members, but believing. Say, Lord, I'm believing for those things to break and to be changed.